Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, she's an inspirational speaker, author, award-winning music artist, and Grammy Award nominee. It's Deborah Johnson. How are you doing today, Deborah? I am doing so great. Thank you for having me today. It's always fun. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Well, there's a long story to that, you know, because <laughs> I'm older than you are. So, uh, yeah, but I was actually I was born in Eatonton, Georgia, did not stay there long, but uh, came out to Southern California and grew up around here. I started uh, piano when I was about nine years old and really took to music. Of course, I had a great story is that my grandmother on my mother's side, she came over from Italy. She's all Italian and came over and played violin and mandolin in Carnegie Hall when she was 16 and she graduated from the New York, there's a conservatory. And for a woman at that time was huge. But then she went into an arranged marriage and had a dozen kids and never played again. So but that's wow. where, but, uh, but that's where I think some of the, the bent for music came from. My mom always loved music. She was told she was tone deaf, but she's not. She wasn't. I mean, I've lost her now, but she wasn't tone deaf. Uh, there are very few people that are tone deaf, but that's how I started in music and I had an ear. So with you know, composition, a little bit of that, but also classically trained. So um, for a concert pianist and the writing and all of that, I love what I do. Just it's basically a creative field and expanded into speaking um, at uh, a certain point when I saw the market changing a bit and some of the the audience uh, interested in that. So that's where I met. Was piano the first instrument that you were exposed to, or did you try a different amount of instruments, but that one was something special that you liked? What I wanted to do first was play the organ. And I don't okay. quite know what was totally the inspiration for that, but um, that was drawing me, but it was my mother got the advice to start me on piano first, which is very smart. Uh, because it works on the technique. Mm -hmm. And I've had to play organ before uh, for different engagements, but it's now it's, I mean, I get by. There are organists <laughs> that do a great job with their feet, and I have to look at my feet. <laughs> and, and it's kind of a lost art, which is kind of sad because I've heard some amazing players. Uh, but that's what was suggested to me. And, you know, I've had to play because of being a music major in college. You've had to try all the instruments, but I was yeah. never any good in all the <laughs> others. And you can do so much uh, digitally now. And usually I hire out with other players that are specials, uh, specialty in their fields. And of course, I was my sister's uh, free accompanist for years, and she's a professional violinist, so that was fun. And I had another sister that played the flute. She never just continued with it with a career. But yeah, so we all kind of grew up with music. What's the challenging thing for someone starting out with piano? Well, I think a challenge, because this is all about challenge, um, it is consistency and being consistent at it. Because with anything, it's easy just to quit uh, yeah. because I oh, don't like to practice. In fact, <laughs> my, you know, you'd think because the level I play and what I'm able to do, oh, well, just practice. It was just always easy. My mom had to bribe us. I mean, she had, 
little boxes on top of the piano and she'd have, you know, for my sisters and I, and if we practice a certain amount per week, we got a little surprise. She tried everything to get us to practice and it was, you know, it just, it's that sort of discipline. And, um, she would, she was so committed to us learning. And this is a great illustration for a parent, uh, because she would, she didn't put the piano in our main living room until I was good enough. To <laughs> and and the first piano we had with this old rickety upright. And at that point, there were not electronic pianos. And so old, you know, rickety one. So I had it in my room. And I think she had put it at that point, too. This is really a fun memory to think. Now you're asking all these questions. Way too much information. But... But this sort of antiquing was popular. Mm -hmm. So she had this antiquing with this green on this piano. And we remember this green piano. That's what I learned to play on. Uh, but she would lay on my bed and count the number of repetitions. She didn't know how to play. She didn't had no idea. But she would count how many times I went through my pieces, my scales, my arpeggios. And that's why I can play and talk to you at the same time today. Uh, it's, it's so natural. It's in the muscle memory. But it's all those years of repetition and a mother who was committed to if... There, there was very little money growing up, but she was committed to if we were going to have lessons and take the music that we were going to practice and mm -hmm. do those repetitions. So that's a great example of for almost any parent, because I tell you that most kids are not going to do those repetitions without you either being there or bribing them with gifts on top of the piano. <laughs> so... You mentioned practice. I was a French horn player growing up in school. And when I first wanted, I wanted to do the saxophone or trumpet. And I got asked to do a different instrument because too many people were signing up for those. Right. And I would, at the beginning, start practicing. And then as I got into high school, I'm like, I don't need to practice. I don't want <laughs> to. And my mom would be like, oh, are you going to practice today? I go, nope. She goes, okay. She wow. kind of liked it because I would just, I think, if you're younger playing it, you just want to just play so loud that yes. it just disrupts everyone. And I don't think my school challenged us. Like they said, oh, we're going to take a test on this. The test never happened. So what makes us want to practice when we just play all day in school? But I think if I practice, maybe it could have lasted a little bit longer than ending right when high school ended. And I'm like, God, I'm just done. I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, uh, French horn, by the way, is a very difficult instrument. Yes. So yeah, good for you. Uh, there are very, well, there are fewer incredible French horn players. So, but it's, yeah, that practice beyond high school. Now, an, a fun story I love to tell is that my husband, I'm still married with to him after all these years we've lasted. So very thankful <laughs> for that. Um, but he took piano all the way through till the end of high school. Mm -hmm. and very consistent but usually that's the stage where people are making more career decisions and there yes. there are very few who go into music in fact i've had interns who are music majors who will never make it in music <laughs> because or they need to be in teaching or or something because the one percents of one percents work in this field and mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that you do to stay in this field so but it's um i think it's good it's part of the education of what I feel is important through the school years. 
Was music always that career path for you? Or did you ever have a passion for something else that maybe you wish you could have done at the same time for your love for music? That's a great question. And you were asking all these amazing questions. <laughs> Usually they ask what I'm doing now. And like, I'm going back in time here. Um, I, I always wanted to cons- consider music as a field. I just didn't know what I was going to do. In fact, I do remember in the junior high school years, because I'm a singer as well. So I was in the choir and I thought, oh, I'm going to be a choir teacher. And maybe I'll teach in like a private school or something. And I did end up, I got a degree. I had to make a choice because uh, I was I was touring internationally. And actually, I got asked to keep touring internationally by some major artists. And But I was signed up to student teach with a, a teacher who had never even taken a student teacher before. And I was the one. And I felt very obligated to, to do that. <laughs> so I ended up going into that education and teaching for a couple of years in middle school, but it was not my passion. So I ended up getting the graduate work done, teaching even in colleges and universities, but it still has not been my one passion. Although the training and teaching I do now, I love doing because I'm developing content as well. I'm not just teaching somebody else's material. And there's a lot of variety I can put into it and, uh, innovation and creativity. I was going to ask why the teaching style wasn't, but you kind of mentioned that because teaching, it's a lot of structure and you have to do what they're asking where the content and the teaching you do, you have that control. You can create and envision what you want that curriculum to be or what you want. And I think that's what shows a true artist, what they're able to do and be able to show expression, show that passion that you have. Yeah, it's fun, and I like uh, kind of, you know, setting my own agenda there. Plus, um, was interesting, what was kind of really burnt me out at the end of that, uh, number one, there were the politics involved when you're mm-hmm. at a u- major university. And I'm just, you know, I'm just not into the politics that way. <laughs> Some people play that better than I do, but, you know, let's get to the, let's get to the students. And yep. uh, then um, I was teaching at a JC and I noticed a lot of kids were getting just free education. Well, they weren't finishing the classes. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. But they weren't, they weren't completing the coursework. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching even music business and they didn't turn into a final. And I told them if they didn't turn in their final exam, I can't give them a passing grade. Well, it just killed me to fail half the class because they didn't turn, but they didn't really, they didn't have a lot invested. So, yeah. you know, maybe if I was at a different college or a different situation, that would be, you know, totally different. Um, but to me, that was, my classes were packed and I thought, you know, this is, this is not a great use of my time and what I can usually give people. I'd like to give them more than just, you know, book learning and doing this, that they're, they're saying, here's your curriculum and, and moving on with it. So yeah, I did not continue in that area. If I had, uh, I'd probably be writing my own textbooks and doing all of that. Heavy. But if I had the freedom to do that, it would depend. So. When you're creating your own music, what kind of style would you say is your music style? I've been asked that a lot. It's like asking your favorite song. And yep. there's no, no telling. Everything is different. Uh, I tend to be... 
Man, I'm so sorry. I'm going to sneeze here, but okay. it's really warm. I'm in Southern California. <laughs> it's a little warm, and I'm just there's no cats around. Usually, I'm very allergic. I, I do not have a cat. Um, but the style, it really depends on what the song calls for. If it's a ballad, if, if the lyrics are a ballad, um, I tend to write, you know, like a pop ballad sort of style. Even in the musicals I've written have been more in a pop element or pop. I write songs that I love, not just the music, you know, mm-hmm. and, and melodies. You know, uh, there's a, a great quote by Roger Williams, and we've lost him now. He's a wonderful pianist, and he made tons of recordings and Grammy Award winners. And, but he had, in front of his house in Los Angeles, he had this big Indian, wooden Indian statue, and he was looking. And a colleague of mine said that he had interviewed Roger, and Roger said, what do you think the Indian is looking for? And, and uh, you know, like, what is he looking for? Roger said, he's looking for the melody. So that's <laughs> what many songs, were. that's what sticks are those melodies and those lines and, and all of that. And, and it's, there's, no, there's no set formula to writing a hit song. You just don't know. You don't know what people are going to like. So... So yeah, as far as style, I don't know. I love all, a lot of styles. I just, I thought rap was going to go away and never did. There were a bunch of us musicians that thought rap was going to <laughs> We thought when it came out, because you know, I'm quite a bit older than you are. So when it came out, we're thinking, what is this? You know, but I love the rhythm, a lot of the rhythm of it. But it was, is this really music and where's the melody and, and all of that part of it. So, uh, but most, you know, from classics, and I love the Impressionists, the Debussy's, the Ravels. I love it, it, all of those sort of cl- Mendelssohn. Love those classics. And then, of course, I love Gershwin, the Rhapsody in Blue. And and when I'm playing, and as far as singing, you know, a lot of the there's there's so much different music out there. I don't know. I can't define one style or one type that I just like to write. That was a long answer. So sorry. You're good. You're good. No, no, no. I'm learning as you're you're saying these things. So I'm, feel free. When you're writing, do you ever think, where is this going to end up? You mentioned musicals. We talked about mm-hmm. Grammy Award nominees. Do you ever have that like, or you're just writing because that's what you want to do. And like you mentioned before, you don't know what's going to happen next with it. Yeah. Usually I have a purposeful writing. Um in mind, um, an album that I'm doing, um, or like a musical. I started writing musicals, my very first musical. I, I wrote to just work on my songs from different perspectives, from different characters. So it gave me an interesting like viewpoint from different, mm-hmm. different viewpoints there. Um, I've written like Wayfarer's Journey was an album I did that was mostly instrumental. And I did that for those who used to take piano that want to take it again, and or you used to play, you want to play again. So I wrote songs at that mid-level. It's a mid-intermediate. Great songs, and they're all all the sheet music is available. So I, I made, I put that album together, and I orchestrated a little bit, but it has the piano based. But that was for a particular audience, and so I wrote twelve songs for that. Um, I've written. 
around when I did like a Christmas album. I wrote some extra Christmas songs. So they're usually around a project that I've done. Uh, The musical's the same sort of way. Um, I've written a song called Bad Code for a book that I wrote. It was just to put out as a single. And that and that was more of a, you know, like a Michael Jackson sort of tune. <laughs> and that was fun to do. And I did the video and all of that uh, using green screen. That was a lot of fun. You'll have to click into that one. That's a great fun. But just set other some sing- singles that I've done, like Superwoman. And I've used that in some of the shows I perform. Um, yeah, some other just kind of fun single songs that will be out there for different projects then. And I'm not doing a lot of songwriting right now. I'm writing more books, actually. But, you know, that could be in the future. I mean, Mm -hmm. I get these little ideas. Well, I think I might do another instrumental album at some point because I'd like to put out more sheet music, and that would be the aim of providing more music for those at mid-career that or mid-level, intermediate-level piano that they could play. With writing music, sometimes we hear the stories with artists and musicians where it's long hours. It can be stressful. It can be very dangerous and for personal lives. Has that happened for you or are you able to manage both the professional life and the personal life that you have? Well, at this point, it's easier because my kids are launched (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, uh, which is nice. Um, but I have worked throughout. I've been self-employed for years, an independent contractor, and I've done a lot of different engagements. Also, I've taken on private students at some point. At one point, where I didn't want to travel, I wanted to be around more, uh, balancing all of that. So, the writing um, is rewriting, and so when I didn't really start on my writing path more or as much until the kids were at a certain stage to where I felt like I had, mm-hmm. I had a little creative energy. You know, <laughs> you have to, there's just a lot goes on. Uh, we had three boys, four and under. And so it was crazy, you know, with all the activity there. And I would work, and I was a music director for a while, so I'd work after the boys went to bed. And I'd do a lot of my writing at that point. And then I could go during the daytime if I had to have meetings or whatever else. But I could do a lot of things in between. So, but writing is rewriting. It's not all of a sudden you just sit down and go, okay, now there's magic. Mm-hmm. And, or I'm so inspired. I'm going to, you know, that rarely, really, rarely happens. And it, it's, it's a craft. And things even happen in the studio. You bring the charts in and you're doing the vocal and you think, wow, I think there's another lyric that can fit there. Or there's, there's something else that we can do right here or do a, a different arrangement of it. So it's, it's just different every time. You talked about your kids. Did they ever find that music gene in them? Did they enjoy music because you loved music? Well, I um, I made them take piano, uh, for, and I did <laughs> not teach them. They, they still tell me. <laughs> yeah. But they had a little basis. And then all of them actually ended up, we had a great band program at the high school, at, at junior high and high school. So they did horns at that point. I had two trumpet players that were usually their first chair and they did the marching band. They did everything. So they did, and the wind ensemble, they were very good. They did it. They had that. Um, and then the other, other one played saxophone and uh, tuba, 
I always <laughs> laughed at the tuba because it filled up the back of the car. <laughs> it's a huge instrument, and, you know, it rattled the house when he practiced, if he practiced. Um, <laughs> but the youngest, and actually I have recorded with the youngest, he is the one that even from a very young age had it. And still does, but he's not in that field. He's a professional, actually, professional athlete right now. But he had he had so many like of those giftednesses. But mm-hmm. one of them was music, and we could tell right off because he could sing on tune, sing. It was the rhythm was there. He just had that, and he developed it. Uh, great voice, uh, wonderful trumpet player. Um, so, and he ended up teaching a year, and just didn't like. They were going to give him didn't have a credential, didn't have a degree, and the district says, we want you to stay, and we'll pay for your education, we'll do it, he just, he wasn't meant for the classroom, very similar for me, Mm -hmm. so, um, and he wasn't really an entrepreneurial type to, it's a little different, at that stage, when he was ready to do studio work, which he could have done, like, easily done studio work because he's a great reader but a lot of the work had gone out of LA and so there weren't as many jobs it was just tough at that point he got a lot of scholarships but he decided to pursue another route uh, for his life but you know the music that's that's the one that had the more natural talent but it's not an easy field and it was easier for me I think because I had some of those choices in raising a family, my husband worked more outside the home. I could be more working inside the home a little bit more. So that was a little bit easier during those years, even though I had a slew of private students. But I, I had taught since I was 13, so I knew how to develop all of that. I knew how to set it up. I knew all of that in that sort of business. So that's that's the way I could adjust. The cultivation of the music industry is the Grammys, and you had the chance to be nominated Talk about that experience and for up and coming artists and musicians that their dream is to have that opportunity. What do you tell them to keep going with their passion that hopefully they end up getting that opportunity? Yeah, people put a lot of, and I'm just going to use awards as general uh, because people talk about the Grammys and I have a certain feeling about that. But um, they're, it's not all just about the awards. You need to yep. do great quality work. And uh, there's a lot of has-beens that have had a lot of awards that what are you doing now is what I usually want to know. And uh, to me, that's most important. To get to that level, to be even considered, is you have to do the work. You have to do a certain amount of that work. And that's wonderful. Um, I mean, it's a good level to be at and that's, you know, the, the great thing and how to, you know, submit your materials and get the awards and all of that sort of thing. But again, it's just a trophy. It's just an award of, of whatever, if you're even considered at that stage. Um, so many of those sort of competitions have become uh, very political and if you have enough money to throw at it, you can break through. Mm-hmm. So it's not always about the talent. It's, you know, you can try for years. You've got to build, again, you you have to just so focus in that area to build enough people. And even though you think you have this great list, 
Um, there are people that have more and a lot more money. And so they're paying, you know, 20 grand an ad or 50 grand, an, you know, all of that. Um, and they just have a lot of, it's a big machine behind them. And, and even for an independent, because the independents, I was a part of the independents, which is still a major award. It's the same thing. It's the same Grammy. It's the same that, but you're not with a major record company is what it is. So, uh, but there's, there's a lot behind that and it's a great network, wonderful people in that organization. I've supported many of them, uh, for what they do. Um, but what I do know is I've done so much listening and I'm very fair. If anybody had sent me anything, I, I listened to everything and I could usually tell usually by the first couple measures if this was going to be worth listening to uh, because you know some people they just they they've got enough to submit for it but it doesn't mean their stuff's good and so that's that's really where it's at with the type of awards you have to do this because you love to do it yep. there's a purpose behind doing it um, you have a certain audience in mind that's very important as well you know because you can create to just create and that's very tempting, by the way, for a creative. I've been there, and I've I have to watch what I do as well because I love to create. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I can, you know, and to to be very targeted in that. Think probably people wish if it was that easy they would do it, but knowing that they have to put in the effort, they have yeah. to put the hours in, mm -hmm. it really shows you who is willing to put in the work to make their dreams come reality. Right. You know, and it, and it doesn't apply just with music. Correct. This applies, as, this applies. And this is why I branched out because it applies to every single field. Yep. It's, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. And it was a big aha moment for me um, in really discovering my greater purpose is because I had for years helped, because I've you know, written a number of books and I just came out with my fifth, but I wrote, I wrote this book called Women at Halftime and because focusing on women at mid-career at halftime of life. And that's the title of my podcast. It was easier to brand that way, basically. Mm -hmm. because, and a lot of women buy books and they, you know, all that. But the principles in going a little bit deeper, I found there were so many men and women at this mid-career. There's a lot of fear if you're going to reinvent your life, first of all. And when we think about retiring, a lot of people now, they're thinking, I can't retire. I mean, look at our world right now. We're just, you can't retire. Plus, I've known people that decided to retire and hate it. So mm -hmm. they want to, like, what are they going to do next? But helping people maximize their skills, their resources, and their experience is what I've done for so many years in music. But I found people were sitting on those. They were sitting on their skills, sitting on those experiences. It, they were almost discounting them. And I'd done that a little bit, too, in my life with some of the music because I felt like, oh, it's, I don't want to focus too much on the music. My goodness, it's, you know. But they were discounting that and not maximizing. Sometimes it's just not knowing how to maximize it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just fear or not doing the work it takes 
That's another thing, not doing the work it takes to really figure it out and doing yeah. the, yeah. For someone that's listening to this interview that they maybe haven't heard your music, what is mm-hmm. one song you would tell them to introduce them to your music? Wow. I have some favorites. Um, I have some fun favorites. <laughs> and then I have the inspirational favorite is The Hero Inside. And that's the title of my keynote. And I use it in my keynote. That's why. Um, and really a fun one. If you want to look at the video, look it up. Uh, Bad Code. It's really fun. I did the, the video with, with puppets and green screen. That's a lot of fun. And then um, there's one called Superwoman, which is another fun one. Um, there's one that's very impactful that I use in my speaking as well. And I, I integrate parts of the song within the speech. And it's called I Can Fly. It's very inspirational as well of you know going through your life. It tells a story. Man, I've got a lot of music. Um, <laughs> just look at my YouTube site, <laughs> DJ Works Music. It's... There's there's a lot of different music that's that's fun and and inspirational. I, that's part of my message is to inspire because I find that people know what to do. Um, they they realize they need to do something, and then I talk to them. They're still in the same place the following year, but they need that inspiration, the hope, the push, a little bit mm-hmm. of a push, and. Uh, to keep going that's that's basically it you just mentioned that you've written five books when was the exact moment that you're like i'm ready for that next challenge and you wanted to try something new well it was kind of dictated by the market for me and uh, with the 2008 and 9 shutdown of you know the recession recession (laughs) as we're talking about recessions now um and the bookings that I had either stopped or were cutting down and uh, I was doing some headline entertainment and with large events, which were great fun. But I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall is with a recession that organizations, events, and conferences, they uh, were hiring mostly the name acts or the one hit wonders or the tribute acts that were doing the music of the name acts and the one hit wonders and i wasn't really a tribute act but i had a great had a couple great shows one which was a great a variety show it was a dual uh, like a dueling piano but what is a headline act and we had mm-hmm. a great show and another one, I had a solo show, which was the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber and, the, and Gershwin. It, and that was another great show. But I kind of saw the writing on the wall there. And so um, I had a couple agents that also booked uh, speakers. And so I went and visited one. In fact, I went, um, I'm in California, but we went to Arizona. I went and visited her, one of the agents. And, 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 and I asked her, what's this speaking thing? Is this really a thing? <laughs> I've been in music and at this point I was still working and I do I still work for Disney so I've done some events for Disney and for years I have as an independent contractor but that wasn't my main focus uh, I've never wanted to work full time uh, in that uh, engagement but so we talked about that and I looked up a lot of the other speakers and all of that and I thought you know I could do this I you know I could combine but the whole the challenge 
part of it was figuring out how to do it and to use what my expertise is. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to the challenge of somebody figuring out what to do next and, and how to use what skills they have. So, but that was kind of that turning point at that point and kind of did some things probably a little backwards, but I thought, Oh, I need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why that's how speakers get booked so I need to write a book so I interviewed I had a lot of contacts really all over the world so I interviewed a bunch of people with my stuck is not a four-letter word book I found a lot of people were stuck I thought well this will help a lot of people that's a great message sorry um, but that's a great message stuck is not a four-letter word um, seven steps to getting stuck so I interviewed those people and it's basically a great book of principles that I got from a lot of those interviews. Good little book. And, uh, and I started doing some speaking and kind of expanding. So that was kind of the start of it. That was my first book that really I had written at that stage. And I've written some other companion products with, you know, a, um, an album and I've written a little booklet with that. But, but this was like the first full on book and branching out. And, and I call it expanding my field into mm-hmm. the field uh, of speaking as well. Speaking and writing and uh, training. Yeah. With each book, does it take a certain topic that maybe you've experienced and other people can experience or have experienced and maybe give like ways that adapts? What's kind of the message that each book is sharing? You're a great interviewer. You have such great questions. You've done your homework, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) You do. That's great. I love it. Um, Usually there's a message, like the stuck message, getting unstuck. Um, And I think of bad code. Well, that that book came out of my website getting hacked. And I discovered there were, and I thought it was so interesting, again, the creative part coming out. There's a real connection between you're you getting hacked you know virtually like that and mentally so i made those connections in that book and uh it was a really fun one to write and then i i did some more interviews on it i said decades of codes so i went through every decade of life some of the challenges that are faced in every decade of life so that was a fun one so that was you know around messaging of course the women in halftime book i wrote a book called music for kids basically um for because i've been asked so many times oh when should my my wonderful child who's like a prodigy i'm sure has a she has so much he or she has so much talent and she's only three should i get a piano <laughs> so i wrote this book <laughs> music for kids when to start piano lessons and why music is so good with the spatial recognition and all of that and it was kind of a fun book to write because it was more in a dialogue and yeah so each one of them have a little bit different purpose behind them if i just wrote books to just write the books it would be just like it, it it wouldn't fulfill the purpose of what I needed to do as far as the messaging, I don't feel. so. I like that each book has a mission or a goal or something that you've experienced and that you want to share. Like the bad code, because there's so many people that can relate to that. But you took that same concept and adapt it in a different way. And right. we kind of talked about it earlier where... You can take one item in maybe one industry, but 
that same can be adaptive in all different industries. CEOs are dealing it. Athletes are dealing it. It's so powerful because it's not, it's taking a market, but broadening that anyone can experience. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, you were right on with, with that. So the principles, again, the principles are the same core principles and, and that are applicable, but you got to do the work. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> now this might be a little fun question how many books would you like to write in your career as an author do you have that goal or anytime you get that itch to write one you're going to take that opportunity and go with it that's a really fun question um i do not plan on quitting anytime soon i so love it <laughs> I, I i just told another uh, another uh person i was uh, online with today that uh, we were doing an interview and I said, you know, I'm not going to quit until my kids put me in a home. And <laughs> just, they'll probably say at some point, mom, you just, you know, you need to cut it out now. Um, yeah, so I will be putting more out with the recent book, The Summit, which is an allegory. It was a great fun, great fun to write. It was most like writing the book to a musical because I've mm-hmm. not even counted those sort of books. So, but that because of the story it was difficult because it was difficult to scale it down and to be very concise in the story i don't call myself a natural writer as far as books Uh, Mm -hmm. not even in music i don't feel it's craft yeah it's rewriting it's it's continuing to do that so but with uh the summit i'd like to write you know, a couple of sequels to that. That would be great fun. I hope I don't sneeze again because we'll be writing (laughs) right at the microphone for you. But, um, but the, um, I love that creative process and, and with a series now I'm putting out of, uh, the roundabout and getting out of a roundabout, uh, because I've trademarked the hero mountain. There's a whole program with hero mountain, but the people were, they need a ramp going Mm -hmm. up to the hero mountain and that's what the roundabout they're stuck in this roundabout so i've been writing these articles i don't know when this is actually coming out but i've got articles out about this and a bunch of free downloads for that but that'll end up being a book as well a booklet it won't be as long but you know these books end up being you know four pages but because this is a real it's an application book for a lot of that as well so i am big on application so if you do the work you will move ahead so, yeah, so I don't know how many more. I can't answer that question. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Like, when does it, when does your mind turn off in writing songs? When does it turn off in writing books? When did, you know, I write an article every week as well. So this, there's just, it's a constant, you know, because with my podcast, I write articles every week too. So there's always material that I can use and all of that. I love that answer because if you enjoy it, it should not stop you. Like no one should say you should stop doing it. Like for me, I ain't going to stop until I want to stop. And I could be doing this for so many years. Technology might change by then, but I'm going to adapt to it no matter what. But (laughs) We both have something we're both passionate about and we love to do. And that's the important part. Other people's opinions shouldn't stop that. We enjoy it. We're going to continue to do it. Hey, but even if you're in that home, you still could be writing and still creating. That doesn't stop you at all. Yeah, 
I know. Hey, I've been in some of those homes visiting, <laughs> and I've actually done some music in some of those sometimes. But a lot of times they have a, a grand piano in the middle, and I've oh. seen I've seen uh, people also that have grand pianos in their room. Hey, there's always possibilities. Give me a laptop. <laughs> have that and and do that and also you know you're writing if you've got good internet you can you can work anywhere and I work at this point too I uh, I help people as well because I like to do it I like to be able to re- work remotely you know, almost mm-hmm. anywhere I think those possibilities are really you know in our really within anybody's grasp right now so what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish both personally and professionally in the next few years? Great question. Um, a lot of what I am working on right now is because I have so much product mm-hmm. is to be able to streamline it a little bit more in all the marketing. So there's a lot of marketing uh, that way. Um, want to keep focusing on people. And that's important to be able to, you know, I don't want to just focus on product and creative stuff with isn't going to help anybody. So, and uh, making sure everything is pretty much inbound. I don't do a lot of selling or hard selling of myself. I'm usually referred for most engagements I've had in music and also in speaking. I, people come to me. So, which is nice. I like that. I'm not a hard, I've never been a hard sell. Um, but if you like the material and there's something worthwhile that I could help somebody with, I love what I do, love what I do. Um, so what my life will look like, um, you know, traveling with my husband and being able to work remotely during those times. And it's a little challenging at times, but it, it, it is possible. I've taken a couple trips this year, being away for at least a couple weeks and, you know, when you're in South Africa, how do you make sure everything keeps going? <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, but it did. Everything, you know, there's so much you can schedule and automate right now. So I'm big on that as much as possible to free up my time for other things. When, when you lose, we've lost both sides of parents uh, within like five years. And so we felt for us, we want to make sure we take advantage of these years while we're active. And I'm I'm also booking active vacations, so I have one coming up with the bike, bike riding, and so I'm riding 10 to 12 miles a day of just making sure that I'm in shape for that, and, and it's good to have those goals, just like having a purpose behind a book. Well, you have a purpose behind some of your travel, and I do book other stuff that's not quite that intense, but it's, uh, I think it's, it's good. There's a lot of people that want to stay active, including me. And I'm married to a former professional athlete. I want to keep him moving because uh, there's a definite mindset there when they can't do what they used to do. So I'm writing articles on that one too. It's, that's a really hot topic right now. So, but it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what the future, uh, continue traveling and, you know, our kids, they're launched and I have actually a couple granddaughters. So, Aww. you know, um, Building into the lives there, family's always been extremely important to me uh, and always will be. And that's, you know, keeping up with our kids. That's part of our travel right now. We've got one in the Kent, Ohio area, Cleveland area. We've got one up in Sacramento. We've got one that's a little bit more local. But, you know, getting around to them, too, and spending the time with them and taking the time with them is uh, a priority and you have to make it a priority otherwise and usually usually you have to go to them so so, but that's fine 
you know, and again, when you set up your business how you can, and I can take the engagements I want to take, and I can travel for business however much I want to travel, I've never been one to book just gig after gig after gig. I could have done that in music all along, I've not, and I've not done that. And I could, have, I could, you know, do it in some ways and speaking as well. And I'm, I'm not going to do that. I will take select engagements that come my way and that I will, that I feel like too, that I can be the most help for. So that's, that's important. If this message is important, which is a great resonating message, it's a wonderful message, getting out of a roundabout, getting to your summit, climbing, because mm-hmm. you have everything it takes inside of you. You do. But there's that confidence. There's that that getting beyond that fear, getting beyond that self-doubt. And, and, but that messaging is so important to be able to give right now. The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? I love that, rise to the challenge. It takes courage to do that. Courage develops confidence. And if you are going to do anything, what I say is take some time. I'm a huge believer in journaling. And you can do this any way you want. You can do it on your phone. You can write notes on your phone. You can do it. I'm a pen and paper gal. I like to (laughs) write it because it it helps me think. And it's how I've done it for so many years. You only have to write a a line or two. You don't have to do very much. But journal your thoughts and, and to be able to move from your point A, I'm going to sneeze again, I'm so sorry, in this very impactful moment <laughs> from your, your point A to your point B, you have, to develop, you have to have a path there. And I've got a lot of free downloads on that and, you know, sign up for my newsletter and get those, get the information because I give so much free information. But just to get to, I want you to get from that point A to the point B. And you have to, you have to take that first step. Mm-hmm. If you are on the starting blocks and running a race and you never get off of it, or if you're, you're going to, you're going to swim and you never jump off the side and never get in the water, you have, you have to take the first step and yep. then little steps, little tiny steps. There's great, great books on this, Atomic Habits, Tiny Habits. There's great books, great resources on those to just take that, that. And sometimes it's just, once you take the first one, you can take another one, but people get stymied and they can't start. It's almost like dieting. You can't, well, I'm going to start tomorrow. No, all you need to do is change one little habit today, one Mm -hmm. little habit, you know, and it'll happen. So that's what I would encourage you to do, to have the courage to start. And I mean, to just watch everything you can, read everything you can to encourage you on your, on your way. There's so much free material. I have, you know, courses, everything else. And I don't do a lot of private coaching. I've, you know, I've done that a lot of years with, <laughs> with teaching. And so I just don't do a lot of private code, but with the programs, there are a lot of programs out there. I have them, but there's a lot of other people to find something that will help you stay accountable and to be able to move forward. That's my, I, I want people to move forward. Well, Deborah, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. 
Uh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, incredible opportunities always, and appreciate the work that you put into this. And it's you were very prepared. You were a wonderful host. Thank you. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.